Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Oh, welcome everybody. Welcome, 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 welcome. Thank you for joining us today. We got another good show for you today. Everybody over on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and Megaphone, thank you all. Thank you, everybody. Everybody, thank you very, very much for joining us today. We are super excited about today's show. Today is super relevant to what is going on out on the water. Yesterday's show was incredible. The amount of comments I got about it and uh, the, the importance of it. The industry really enjoyed it. Thank you all for watching. Thanks for being a part of it. Thanks for all the comments. And uh, just generally, thank you guys for everything you all do for me. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Kelly. And I appreciate it. Kelly would have loved to have been on the show today, but we are uh, scrambling here. We got back from our vacation way too early and we got way too much going on. We're getting ready to go up to Southern California in the middle of May. So she's very, very busy right now. So she couldn't join the show today, but she may pop in here before we're done. You never know. She's downstairs working hard on the computer. So we'll see if she ends up joining us or not. Either way, thank you, Kelly Girl, for everything you do for us. So, gang, today we're talking about a topic that's hot right now. It is one of the hot topics in Southern California. We had all this rain, we had all this wind, we had all this cold water, we had all this runoff. There's Marley, he gets so excited when he hears us talking. He's right up there above my shoulder. Those of you that don't know who Marley is, he's our rescue monkey. He's the smallest monkey in the world. He's eight inches tall, full grown, and he's our marmoset monkey. And there he is right there, right up there, right there, there he is. Marley, yeah, thank you, get on your spot. Okay, so gang, today we're talking about red tide. There's a whole bunch of misconceptions about what it is, so we're gonna try to get down to the uh, nitty gritty and kind of explain to you what it is. This red tide phenomenon has happened the short time I've been on the planet, the 61 plus years that I've been here. We've seen this phenomenon every year, so don't panic. This is not the same red tide that uh, destroyed Tampa Bay, that this is not that. This is not caused by a chemical company. This is not caused by sewer spill, which a lot of people are saying right now, this is not caused by any of that. This is a phenomenon that takes place every winter in Southern California. Sometimes it It's a big event. Sometimes it's a small event, but it happens every single winter going into spring. And the whole theory about it is what we're going to get into today and what what the effects on the fishing industry is. What does it do to our water? What does it do to our environment out here in Southern California? This red tide, you hear about it. It happens all over the world. 
<clears throat> a lot of it's caused man-made, but the red tide that happens in Southern California is not man-made because we saw it in the 60s. We saw it in the 70s. I've, and I've only been around since the 60s. So that's all I can relate back to. So uh, not a lot has <clears throat> changed since the 60s, right? No one's moved to Southern California. There's been no industry. No, we know that. A lot has changed in Southern California since the 60s. But this red tide is a phenomenon that takes place every spring, coming out of the winter, going into the spring. And here's here's a few of the reasons why this occurs and what happens. And There's a bunch of scientists and there's a bunch of people that have never been out on the water that try to make up a bunch of reasons why it's happening out there. But the real number one reason, and, and this is only coming from someone who sees it year in and year out, and it happens every season, and it happens at different levels. And this probably, this probably is going to be a big, big red tide event, probably going to last for a little bit longer than the one did last spring because of the fact that we did <clears throat> we did add so many new nutrients to the ocean so much fresh water, so much runoff. The plankton explosion was absolutely incredible. And what, what do I mean by that? Well, there's two types of plankton in the ocean. There's photoplankton and there's zooplankton. The photoplankton is basically a plant that all, everything on the planet, all life revolves around zooplankton, all life where oxygen comes from, everything revolves around the zooplankton or the photoplankton. If you ever studied photosynthesis and, whoa, big word for Captain Dave there. If you ever studied photosynthesis in uh, school back when you were a child, back when they used to teach real education, reading, writing, and arithmetic and science. And uh, we learned about that and the zooplankton creates a phenomenal amount of oxygen, and it does, and, or the photoplankton, and then the zooplankton eats the photoplankton. So then you have this massive explosion of this plankton in the ocean. And what we just went through with all the runoff of all the rain and all that fresh water and all the pieces of plants and all the, the stuff that ran down the mountains and into the ocean, and I'm not talking about the pollution, I'm talking about the real nutrients that need to go into the ocean. Those things allowed that plankton to really grab hold and take on and start to explode. And, and it was doing really, really good. And it was doing really, really well. And remember the water temperatures got down into the fifth, the low, low fifties. Our good friend, Justin, Bowline Sport Fishing, who's going to be with us tomorrow on our show found an area out there outside the horseshoe where the water was 50 degrees less than a month ago. 50 degrees. Now the water's 60 degrees already. It's already gone from 50 to 60 in, in a three-week period because we have some steady, consistent weather. We have had a lot of wind, but we haven't had a lot of rain. We haven't had a lot of runoff like we did the whole month of March and in, in February and January and December. So now things are starting to stabilize and the water temperature is starting to come up. So what's happening is this plankton exploded during the cold water when the water was very, very cold. 
exploded and it went crazy. And then the zooplankton came in and started eating. And then all of a sudden that surface temperature heated up 10 degrees in, in a week and a half, two weeks. So then you had a die off of this plankton. And now we're going to have another weather event. I don't know if you've seen it or not, but next week there's going to be another weather event. There's going to be a lot of wind and there's going to be a lot of rain. And so then it's going to explode again and the, the plankton <clears throat> will explode again. And then we'll have another red tide. But here's what happened. That red tide is that plankton dying. And when it dies, it causes that red, reddish brick looking color in the water. And what that also does is it takes away all the oxygen in the, those areas where the red tide's super thick. Now, <clears throat> something a lot of people don't understand is it's red on the surface, but it's not red on the bottom. There's not a lot of areas where the red goes top to bottom. That red's going to float probably in the first two feet of the water. That's where it's going to end up. It's going to float in that top. Pete Grosbeck doesn't even know what time it is. So it's going to float in that top two feet of water. And then underneath that, it's going to be clear. That's why we still have pretty good bass fishing. When, like I was talking about on the show on Monday about grunion, they worked very, very well during the red tide because we were fishing them down underneath the red tide. But what is really cool about the red tide is that you will be all wound up and all worried about this red tide and we'll be focusing on it and everything will be going. And then all of a sudden, one day you'll go out there and it'll all be gone. And then the water will be cleaner than you've seen it in a very, very long time. The red tide is not the red tide that destroyed Tampa Bay. It's not a chemically induced red tide. This is a red tide caused by nature and it's not the end of the world. And you, the biggest problem today is that most people are grew up in the microwave generation. We grew up where we don't have 10 seconds to wait for anything. If we put our cup of water in the microwave to heat up our coffee and we push one minute or 30 seconds, we actually stand there and stare at it for that one minute or that 30 seconds because we don't have time to wait that's where we're at today. And now because this red tide and a lot of people that are new to fishing don't understand red tide and don't understand that it's good for the ocean, they right away think, oh my gosh, this is the end of the world. This is it. This, it's over. This red tide. Oh my God. There's red tide everywhere, Captain Dave. What are we going to do? I don't understand. I don't know what to do. There's red tide everywhere, Dave. I don't know. Just take a deep breath, gang. It's going to go away. And what we're talking about in our game plans today for the coastal game plan is this red tide right now is very, very streaky. So you could come out of Point Loma, make a <clears throat> come out of Point Loma Marina, make a right hand turn, start to drive up the coast. When you leave the harbor, it's red, brick red. As you get up to the pipe, there's going to be some openings where the water's clean. Then it's going to go back into another streak when you get to green tanks and it's going to be red again. Then you're going to get up to scripts and it's going to be clean again. Then it's going to be streaky red. Right now we got streaks of this red tide. Eventually it'll just cover the coast and it'll be all red for a little while. And then it will, then it will clean up and then it'll get streaky and then it'll go away completely. 
But what I would suggest more than anything is don't panic. Don't get on. Don't get on social media and start saying it's the end of the world. The, the tide's red. The ocean's polluted. I saw guys talking that saying that it was a sewage spill and that's what caused it. Well, gang, that's the furthest thing from the truth. Yeah, those things, the sewage spills and all that stuff has all kinds of things to do with polluting the ocean. But red tide, real, true, honest red tide is a natural occurrence that has been occurring along the Southern California coast for at least since the 60s, since I started going out on the ocean. We've had red tide. But something that <clears throat> I think was important when I was listening to a couple of guys talk yesterday on social media about the sewage spill in L.A., there are sewer pipes going up and down the California coast. They're going up and down the eastern seaboard. They're going all over the Gulf of Mexico. And uh, what somebody, I think, fails to understand, and this is going to blow your minds, and it's going you're gonna, to you're gonna go, what? I don't understand. Where do you think these pipes are going when, when it leaves the El Segundo treatment plan or it leaves the Point Loma treatment plan or it leaves the uh, Aliso treatment plan or the Dana Point or the, or the uh, Santa Monica Bay. When it leaves that treatment plant, that water coming out of the sewer treatment plant and it goes into these pipes. Hey, Marley. And it goes out into the ocean. Where do you think it's going? Because most people never thought of it. They think, oh, there's a, there's, a, there's a sewer leak. There's a sewage leak in the ocean. Gang, those pipes aren't going to some magical place. They aren't. They're going to the ocean. They're just going out another half a mile. Two more miles, if you're at the Newport pipe, that bottom's flat for so far, that thing goes way out there. Or the San Diego pipe, it goes way out there. You can see them on your... But they go, end up... They're not going to some magical planet or they're not going to some magical place in the ocean, gang. It's still going in the ocean. That's why I always think it's so funny when someone says, oh, they got a, they got a break in the pipe and it's leaking... Sewage. I just, I'm blown away. It's going there anyway. It's, it's only going out a little bit farther. It's not going to some super magical place, gang. It's just not. It's going into the ocean. Here's something to think about, too. Have we built any new sewer treatment plants in California in your lifetime? I know of two that were built in my lifetime. My lifetime's short. It's only 61 and a little over 61 years. I only know of two plants that have been built since then. Has anybody moved here since then? So you just need to calm down and relax. It is what it is. There's, there's no other place to put it. They don't, they don't have any magical place to put it. It's not going to any magical place, no matter what you think in your magical brain or what you believe that the media is telling you 
They're lying. I don't know if you understand that, but they're not. They're, there's not one side, right, left, middle, bottom, top. They're none of them are telling you the truth. I'm on the water, or I was on the water every single day. I'm only telling you what I've seen every single day, and I can bring in a hundred different captains that can tell you the same story. Those underwater pipes that are going out, they're not causing the red tide but they're not all of a sudden breaking and having a sewage leak. Oh, 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 there's a sewage leak. They're dumping it into the ocean. They always have been, they always will be. I know it's treated water. I know that, I know, and I'm not gonna here to argue with you. I know that, I know it is, but gang, you gotta be, you gotta, you gotta come to reality. You have to understand what's really going on out here. So just take a deep breath, relax, it's going to be okay, but it's not. These pipelines aren't going to some magical place. Every time I have this conversation with someone, it blows their mind because they never thought it all the way through. They never played the tape all the way through from the beginning to the end. They never really thought where the water was going from the sewer treatment plant out into the ocean. They were like, uh, yeah, the, the, the pipe, it, it got a crack in it. And it's dumping sewage into the ocean. Well, go out another two miles, it's doing the same thing. It doesn't have a crack in it. It actually gets out there and it, it is what it is. That's what's going on. But back to what I was saying about the red tide. The red tide has been going on since the beginning of time because it's a natural filter for the ocean. It is going to make the ocean much cleaner. But... You have this giant explosion of the photoplankton and that allows the zooplankton to jump up and start eating like crazy. And it starts to really starts to multiply very quickly. And then all of a sudden the water gets warm. Same thing will happen if the water gets cold because the plankton's gonna acclimate to the water. So then if you have a drastic change in the water temperature, like we just had in the last two weeks, it went up 10 degrees. Now you're going to have a drastic change next week and it's going to drop. So it's going to even cause more red tide. And so those things are things you need to keep an eye on, but you don't need to panic and it's not the end of the world. And also remember that it's floating. 99.9% .9 of the time it's floating. It's only two or three feet deep. It doesn't go top to bottom. And we know that because we actually dove for a very, very long time and we we were told by some old time merchant divers that, hey, the water on the bottom is clear. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. So you're telling me if I jump in here and if I just swim down three or four feet, it's going to get clear. I, I couldn't understand that until I actually got in the water. I spent most of my childhood diving. I spent, I still got my dive gear and I still really enjoy scuba diving. But you don't really know what's going on below the surface of the water until you get below. And you you would be blown away to jump into that red tide, swim down four or five feet and go, my gosh, the ocean's super clear down here and the fish are still going to bite. So you want them? Just take a deep breath and understand that this is going to be really, really good for us. This is going to help us out tremendously. Hold on for one second. I want you to see this. Check out this QR code. This is for our... our our new sponsor, Roasted Anchor Coffee Company. And then check this out real fast.
and we'll get right back to talking about this red tide because this red tide is super important. All right, gang, your saltwater guy, Captain Dave Hansen, 61 years old. Can you imagine the energy level of a 61-year-old man? I, they didn't make them like this when I was young. 61-year-old man drinking Roasted Anchor Coffee from the Roasted Anchor Coffee Company. Man, is does it taste good. I'll tell you what, it brings my energy level up, puts me in a great mood all day, allows me to make all these great videos and show you a phenomenal way to fish. Anchor Roasted Anchor Coffee Company. You can't go wrong. All right, gang. They're our new sponsor. You got to check them out. We're all drinking coffee anyway. We all start our day off. Hit that QR code with your phone right now. Go over there and check out their website. They got dark roast. They got medium roast. They got light roast. And then it's, it's all around fishing. And there's so much... Like the light roast is the home guard light roast, just like the California home guard yellowtail. Our light roast is packed full of power and energy and takes on even the hardest daily adventures. Gang, these guys are fishermen. This coffee was made for fishermen. This, they, they do this in San Diego. This is a local company. These are homegrown guys the, the, out of San Diego. You want to support them. Don't support some corporation coffee company that you have no idea who they are. These guys are real. Go check out their website. They are absolutely real. They're fishermen. They're part of the community. Let's support the community of fishing. Let's support these guys. Let's make sure that they understand that we appreciate what they do. Now, Beck, we uh, were talking yesterday about the tipping thing and the whole thing, and I just got to... I just got a, uh, a message from one of our our uh, listeners that was talking. I didn't finish up what I was talking about, about the tip jar and everything yesterday. And I, I thought I did, but maybe, I, you know me, I get off on another tangent. I forget what I'm talking about. The 70s were gnarly on me, so just understand. So what we're trying, what we were trying to say yesterday about the tipping thing is if you put a penny in there, we split that penny five ways. If you put a dollar, we split that dollar five ways. If you put a hundred in there, we split that hundred five ways. But understand that that thought process, and I'm sorry, I'm, we're not begging for your money. We're not begging for tips. I just want you to understand what's going on on a sport boat, on a, a charter boat, or on a yacht, or on a six pack. All the money split evenly between each guy. Whatever. You give us 20, we split it five ways. You give us a penny, we split it five ways. You give us $100, we split it five ways. But that whole 20% of the price of the trip, that doesn't play into effect, gang. And I'm sorry. I know that's how most of you have always tipped, but that's not proper. That's how you tip at a restaurant. When you go on a sport boat, the crew, the captain, the galley operator, the, the chef, we're with you all day, day and a half trip, an overnight trip, a three-quarter day trip, a half-day trip. We're with you the whole day. We can make the trip or we can break the trip with our attitude, like I told you. If the people on the boat have a bad attitude, those aren't who you want to go with. And you don't have to ever go on that boat again and you don't have to tip them. Let them know by not tipping them and getting the hell out of there as fast as you can. And don't ever patronize that boat again. You know who the... 
the people that take care of you are, and you know who the people that don't take care of you are. But what I was trying to talk to you about when I was talking about the money going into the tip jar, that is all getting split evenly between the crew. So if you went on a $100 trip and you tipped 20%, that's 20 bucks. Now we're going to split that 20 up three or four or five ways. If that's what you feel we deserve, then that's what we deserve. And I understand that. But I don't think most people understand the whole deal about how it tipping because we've all grown up because we were taught tipping by our parent. I don't care who you think you got taught. You got taught by your parents or your grandma or your grandpa or whoever raised you, taught you that it is super important to tip when you go out to a restaurant or a bar. You've, I told the story yesterday, the first time I saw my mom leave that money on the counter and I was just blown away. We were walking out of the restaurant, leaving cash sitting on the table. I was like, you got to be kidding me. This is wrong. Mom, you left money sitting there. Don't leave money there. And it was for the person that took care of us and made sure that our food got there warm. and They made us feel warm and fuzzy inside. That's what I was trying to explain to you, that the 20% thing doesn't correlate on the, it's just not fair if you're going to tip. If we're not begging, I'm just trying to explain to you how it works. So if you think that, the captain, the second captain, and the three deckhands worked their ass off all day and they all deserve that $20 bill that you threw in the tip jar split five ways. That's We're good with that because that's what you believe. But I'm just letting you know that's what's going on. That is what is going on. And I know in your heart, if you got taken very well care of, you don't ever believe that leaving $4 for that guy was worth it. I know you don't believe that, but you didn't know. You don't know. You just don't know until someone teaches you and someone tells you. The industry, the guys running the boats and the guys working on the boats, they're not they're not in a position to actually tell you because they don't want you to feel like they're begging for your money. And and it's a and it's a really 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 hard spot you put us in as a captain. When you come up to the bridge and you ask us, hey, Cap, what's a good tip? That, that <laughs> Like I told you yesterday, I always hit it with humor right away. $1,000. I would just say that. $1,000. And they go, whoa, Cap, come on. I go, well, yeah, that's a phenomenal tip. I mean, for God's sakes, that's a phenomenal tip. That is an epic tip. You asked me what would be a good tip. You can't use the percentage. Gary, you can't use the percentage. It doesn't work. I've just tried to explain that to you. That doesn't work. That concept doesn't work. That concept doesn't work. That We're not a restaurant. We're not a bar. The concept of the percentage, that's not, that doesn't, con, that, it's not cool. It doesn't, it's not right. You don't understand. There's five of us. If you paid $125 to go on the boat, I know there's nothing like that anymore, but I'm just using numbers that are easy. You got to, if you're going to tip and we don't require a tip and it's, it's what, how we can afford to take you fishing because if we paid our crew what they deserve, you couldn't afford to go fishing with the price of fuel and the price of uh, 
insurance and bait and all the fishing game fees and, and the Mexican permits and all the fees and everything, we couldn't afford to take you fishing. So we're relying on, as owners of the boats and captains, we're relying on you to help us out by giving our crews a tip. But you can't use the percentage thing because it doesn't, it doesn't play into this is all I'm trying to say. Because it doesn't. Because it's a different animal. We're not a bar and we're not a restaurant. We're everything. We're your hotel. We're your, we're your restaurant. We're your entertainment. We're your, we're your facilities for your bathroom, for your shower, for your water. We're, we're everything. And we're your entertainment. So it doesn't come down. It's not like a bar or restaurant. It's all I was trying to explain to everybody. And I don't, you do whatever you do and do it and have a good time. And no one's ever going to complain if you give them a dollar or if you give them a hundred dollars. That's not our deal. That's not what we're in it for. But I just am trying to let the masses understand that you can't look at it as a restaurant or a bar. Because like I told everybody yesterday, if I went to the Ritz-Carlton tomorrow night with Kelly Girl, and we had the best service we've ever had. We had a phenomenal dinner and we hung out at the restaurant for an hour and a half. And we had, we had nice little, uh, faux tails. We, we had mocktails. We had a couple of those and we had a hors d'oeuvres and then we had our dinner and then we had a dessert. We had the greatest service in the world. That waiter or waitress, if you broke it down to the time, actual time they spent with us would be about five, seven minutes. Yep, I know it's hard to believe, but that's how long it is if you broke it down to actual time. If you go on a boat, go and fish a day and a half trip, guess what? We're with you the whole time. We don't get to get off the boat, go and relax. We're taking care of you and making sure you're having the best trip you possibly can have. So please don't think of us as a restaurant or a bar. Don't think of it like that. Change. I'm trying to help you. I'm just trying to help you to understand what's going on. Can't look at it like, well, I like to tip 10% of the price of the trip. That's not cool. That If you're going to tip, but if it's cool if you do it. I mean, I'm not complaining, but it's just, you got to break it down into the perspective that it is. The deckhands, the captain, the cook, everybody's working to make sure that you are having the very best trip of your life. Don't look at it as you chartered a restaurant. You, it's not a restaurant. It's an entertainment center. It's a restaurant. It's lodging. It's everything, gang. So understand it's everything. All right. So back to what we were talking about. about the, and I'm sorry, that question just came up because it is text the show Thursday. So thank you. I understand. But gang. This red tide is not a bad thing. This red tide is going to end up being a really cool thing. When we get into June, we're going to start seeing some of the cleanest water we've seen in Southern California for a very long time. We're going to start to see more bait than we've seen in a long time, like we saw last year after the red tide. I don't know if you remember, but I was looking at my log books, and I remember we were talking about this red tide big time in May last year. Everybody was like freaking out and panicking and they were like, oh my gosh, Dave, all this red tide, what are we going to do? It's going to, what, what's it going to do to the fishing? It's going to make it better. It's going to make it way better. It's going to be good for the whole thing. If you look at what's happening right now, 
the bluefin bite that's going on just on the other side of the border. It's not that far, 302, 425. That bluefin's right there. There's already yellowtail on kelp patties. That's a big deal. It's April. There's already catching some yellows on some kelps. There's big bonita out there. There's big bonita out there cruising around. We're, they're catching them on the Mad Max while they're fishing for the bluefin. They're also catching them on the cedar plugs. And they're also seeing big breezers of that big bonita, that seven to 10 pound bonita out there. Pretty amazing stuff's already happening with all the runoff and all the things that have just happened. You would think, wow, it's gonna take this ocean a long time to snap back. It didn't take nothing. And then look at what's going on up at Santa Barbara Island and at Santa Rose or Santa Cruz Island and Catalina. Sea bass are already biting, really like historic halibut fishing historic like better than it's ever been before there's you can't go look back at days where boats caught 15 or 20 halibut five six seven eight ten days in a row this is happening right now gang the guys that are focusing on the halibut are catching halibut everything is the table set everything's happening it's absolutely unbelievable what's going on right now so that just tells me that this is going to be one of the this, this season will go down in history as probably one of the greatest seasons we've ever had. And it happens every time we have this phenomenal amount of rain, this phenomenal amount of runoff, then this red tide that comes. So all we're trying to let you know is that the red tide's not the end of the world. So don't even think that for a second. And it's not sewage going into the ocean because sewage goes into the ocean all day, every single day, gang. I'm sorry to break it to you. But those pipes that are going out there, they're not going to magic land. They're not headed out into a big magical place in the middle of the ocean. They're going into the ocean. It's unfortunate. But if you think back, we're in a way better place than we were back in the 50s, in the 40s, when we were using the Pacific Ocean as a dump. It was There was no landfills we were using. If you go and... Okay, now I'm really going to get deep into this and it's going to blow your minds. If you look back on our, excuse me, if you look at your chart plotter down off of San Diego or up off of LA, LA is the perfect one. It's super simple to see. This is very, very simple to see. There's an area called the dumping grounds. It's on every single chart plotter. It's about seven miles off the off of uh, L.A. Harbor. That's where they, that was the Los Angeles landfill in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. They would take big barges out there. They would fill them up down on the, down in the ocean or down on the marinas. They would fill these barges up with garbage. They had a bulldozer on them. They would go, tugboat would drag it out there. They'd get out there <clears throat> to these areas called the dumping grounds, seven miles out of the harbor and the dump. And they would push all the trash into the ocean. The next time, the next time you're on an airplane and you're flying out of LAX, every flight does this. I don't care if you're going to Cabo, or if you're going to New York, when you leave the airport on the airplane, you fly out across Santa Monica Bay out over Catalina, between Catalina and Clemay, then the plane makes a big giant turn to the left and flies back in over, over land. And then the next, 
and Headstone, New York, Cabo, sorry, or wherever. The next time you're on there, the next time you're on there, look at the look at the coastline, look at the the, the um, ocean, look at the kelp beds. There's no kelp in Santa Monica Bay. It starts up at Paradise Cove and goes north, but the whole Santa Monica Bay is void of kelp. Then there's kelp at Rocky Point. It goes from Rocky Point to Point Furman. Then there's no kelp again until you get to uh, North Laguna. None, not a strand, not a piece, nothing growing. Why? Because we use the ocean as a garbage can for a very, very long time. We don't do that anymore. But at the time in the 40s, 50s and 60s, that's what they did. And they covered up the horseshoe, which was a giant kelp, giant. My father used to tell me about how the ships would have to come through there and they would have to cut channels in the kelp at the horseshoe with the kelp cutters which kelp cutters are not bad for the environment either. That's a fantasy drawn up by the media and the tree huggers. That kelp cutter is a phenomenal machine because it only cuts down four or five feet. It takes the mat off the top, cuts down four or five feet. The new kelp grows and it's super healthy and it's great for the environment. And we use kelp and everything we use on a daily basis. But Back in those days when they used the ocean as a trash can, they buried these giant kelp beds with all the garbage and all the rubbish. <clears throat> People that are my age or older, you remember Tin Can Beach at Seal Beach? The tin cans were stacked up as tall as buildings, 15, 20 feet in the air. These, The beach, the whole beach at Seal Beach was stacked. They called it Tin Can Beach. And it was stacked because why? When those bulldozers would push the trash off the barge, those tin cans would float because they'd have a little bit of air in them and the prevailing current and wind would blow them down onto the beach at Seal Beach. You can probably Google stuff. You can probably YouTube it. You could probably go see Tin Can Beach, Seal Beach. And I'm not lying. I remember when I was a kid, these things stood way taller than my dad. These things were massive mountains of cans. That all went away when they started using <clears throat> landfills. It all moved into the landfills, but forever they used the ocean as a trash can. We don't do that anymore. But it was sad that it happened, and that's where the horseshoe kelp went, and that's where Santa Monica Bay, there's no kelp there. There's no kelp in Santa Monica Bay because Santa Monica Bay was L.A.'s trash can for a very, very long time also. And that sand in Santa Monica Bay that's a whole nother show we could do. You could just go have some fun and YouTube that. And then uh, Kevin Barr. Yeah, that DDT thing is an absolute unbelievable tragedy. And you can look that up. That's absolutely amazing what, what DuPont and Dow Chemical Company got away with up there at the time. It's very, very, yes. Rick, you remember? Tin Can Beach, Horseshoe Kelp, when it used to flourish. But... We're doing way better now than we did then. We're taking way better care of the ocean. I'm trying to get Wayne Catow to be on the show next weekend, next Friday. So maybe he could sit down and talk to you a little bit more about the MLPs and how they didn't do anything they promised they do. All they did was stop us 
from fishing in these areas. They never did anything to make the ocean better. They didn't do anything to enhance them. They even put the MLPs in the middle of where the sewer pipes dump, which went against everything when we went to all these meetings. And that's when I started to really learn the how corrupt the political arena is as far as us as fishermen and, and using the resource of the ocean and how full of crap they are and how corrupt it all is because I made my living on it. I saw it every single day. I knew what was going on on the ocean. And then to go in there and listen to the bull, or there, we'll use the word rhetoric, to listen to the rhetoric that these people would spew out of their mouth in these meetings. And there was people that would sit there in the audience and actually believe the lies that would come out of their mouths. One really good lie that I thought was absolutely amazing and I couldn't take it anymore and I had to stand up because I know you guys know I have a big mouth. I had to stand up in the middle of this woo -woo -woo big meeting with all these superstars of the industry of, uh, of uh, politics with their suits and their ties on. And I had to just finally stand up and say, you're lying. You're all lying. I can't do this anymore. I can't sit here and listen to the lies. I got to get up and I got to get out of here. They said that, uh, that there is... The water is cleaner in the MLPs than it is outside of them. And people were like, oh, yay. And I'm like, that's impossible. That is absolutely impossible. That's impossible. That's absolutely impossible. <clears throat> when you closed areas of the ocean called MLPAs, Marine Life Protection, you didn't build a wall or a fence around the ocean. So there's an area in Laguna. Well, the whole town of Laguna. They closed. And then some, some lion person stood up there and said, well, since the MLPs happened, the water in Laguna is much cleaner. That's the biggest bunch of that could possibly ever be spewed out of someone's mouth. And this was someone that said he was a scientist. He was straight up liar. Because just because you and I and my grandkids can't fish there anymore, it didn't make the water cleaner magically. That did not happen. Because the water flow comes from L.A. to San Diego. That's how the water flows. That's the prevailing current and wind. So you're going to tell me that all of a sudden, because my grandchildren cannot fish in Laguna, that the pollutants coming out of L.A. Harbor don't go to Laguna now? You're out of your ever-loving mind. You're a bunch of liars. And I couldn't take it anymore. And I couldn't sit there because I turned around in my seat and I saw people sitting on the edge of their seats actually listening to this bull. And I was like, there's no way I can just sit here and listen to this lie. That's why they don't take me to these meetings. That's why I'm not in the political arena. That's why I'm not following my father's footprint down the road of the pollen because I can't handle the lot. I can't, can't keep my mouth shut. Never been able to, I don't know how. I have diarrhea of my mouth, always have and always will. It served me just fine all these years, but I can't get in there and mix it up with these liars. I just can't do it. I can't get in there and listen to the rhetoric and the lies and this red tide thing. They're trying to twist it up and make it our fault. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let anybody that'll listen
believe that crap because it's not true. It has nothing to do with fishing. It has nothing to do with the, the sewer pipes leaking. It has to do with nature. This is nature taking care of nature. This is nature cleaning up the ocean. This is a giant filtration system set up by a higher power greater than all of us. And it's going to be good. And it's going to be good for all of us. And I'm sorry I got off on that little political tangent, but I had to let you know the kind of stuff that I was hearing in these meetings was absolutely blowing my mind. So don't get panicked about the red tide. Hang in there. Do me a favor and watch this show tomorrow. Justin, my guide from Southern California, Justin Botrell, you see him all the time on my videos. You see him all the time making cool stuff. You see him all the time trying to teach. He's one of my guides. He's my Southern California guide. And then we got Sunny Sun again up there in uh, Ventura. <clears throat> He's going to start taking you guys out on your boats and helping you crack the code up there at the Channel Islands, which is a code that nobody's willing to share. The, they're tight-lipped and they're hard. He was going to do it with us eight years ago. And then the industry up there just buried him and, and made him feel terrible because he was going to start sharing and the tackle stores were going to start selling more tackle and the bait companies were going to start selling more bait. And the hook manufacturers were going to start selling more hooks and the rod manufacturers were going to start selling more rods and the donut shop was going to sell more donuts and the coffee shop was going to sell more coffee and the industry said, no, don't tell the people where the fish are. <laughs> don't be a sellout like that, Captain Dave Hansen. Don't do it. We don't want people to know what's going on out here. We want them to not fish. We want them to sell their boats. We don't want them involved. We just want it to be us. Well, he's now a little bit older, a little bit smarter, and he's going to start helping you. He's, he's willing to share all the knowledge that he's learned fishing up in the Channel Islands, which is, that is gold, gang. You can't beat that. Spend a few of your bucks and take them on your boat. Go learn how to do it. He'll be with us tomorrow. So will Justin. They're both willing to share everything they've learned over all the years of fishing for a living. So we will see you all tomorrow, gang. Google some of that stuff I was talking about. Go Google that DDT thing and outside of LA and you'll hear. And then look at Tin Can Beach like Rick Sheets just said. It was real. It was absolutely unbelievable. You won't believe it when you see it. Those of you in your 30s, you're going to go, there's no way they were doing that. Oh, yes, they were. Yes, they were. And it's sad, but it's all cleaned up now, and it's a much better world that we're living in. Okay, I'll be here for you tomorrow. We're going to have a great live show. It's going to be phenomenal. Marley, Marley, say goodbye. Tell everybody goodbye. Just tell them you'll see him tomorrow. See you guys tomorrow. All right, bye.